Amen. Good morning, Grace Point. God bless you. Good to see you this morning. Happy New Year in advance. Amen. I hope you had a great Christmas, and uh, we love you guys. Good to see you in the house of the Lord this morning. Amen. We're going to be uh, turning this morning to 2 Kings chapter 6. We'll put it on the screen for you. And uh, we're going to be reading verses 1 through 7. What matters to you matters to God. Amen. I hope you know that. I hope you do more than know it. I hope you believe it because it's the truth. What matters to you matters to God. If it matters to you, it matters to God. Even if it's just not going to cause the world to change, if it's a practical thing, something that you need in your life for day to day. The thing that amazes me about God is he gives so much concern for us. It says in the scriptures in the New Testament that even the hairs of our head are numbered. They're not counted. They're numbered by him. That's Nobody knows you. You don't know yourself like that. In other words, what's God trying to say with that? He's just trying to say every little small thing matters when it comes to you. Um, let's just read through these verses, and I'll let you be seated after we pray. It says, And the sons of the prophets said to Elisha, See now the place where we dwell for you with you is too small for us. Please let us go to the Jordan and let every man take a beam from there and let us make there a place where we may dwell. So we answered, Go. Then one said, Please consent to go with your servants. And he answered, I will go. So he went with them, and when they came to the Jordan, they cut down trees. But as one was cutting down a tree, the iron axe head fell into the water, and he cried out and said, Alas, master, for it was borrowed. So the man of God said, Where did it fall? And he showed him the place, so he cut off a stick, and he threw it in there, and he made the iron float. Therefore, he said, Pick it up for yourself. So he reached out his hand. And he took it. Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus, knowing that everything that's recorded in this book, your word, is in there for a specific, important reason. And I pray today, God, that you would unveil and reveal to us by the Spirit what you want to say to us today. Father, we love you. We give you praise for loving us. And we ask today in Jesus' name that we yield ourselves to that anointing this been gifted to us in Jesus' mighty name. Everybody said amen. amen. Shake somebody's hand. Tell them how good they're looking this morning in the house of the Lord for you. Amen. Sit down. I... Uh, admonish you, you don't get caught up. So those of you that are on social media, like most of you are, uh, it has already begun, as it does this time every year, for the prophets to come out. And, uh, and we believe in the prophetic. I believe in the prophetic. I just don't believe in the pathetic. Uh, uh, and so already we're seeing things posted on Facebook and so forth that's declaring doom and gloom and God's judgment and wrath and anger and all that kind of stuff. And, and uh, I hope you, as most of you do, I believe, know better than that. Uh, anybody that ever presents to you an angry God is being contrary to what the Bible teaches. 
Uh, God says in the Old Covenant in Isaiah that he was angry for a moment. But when he prophesied through that prophet about the new covenant that would come, he said, I will never be angry with you again, nor shall I ever remove my kindness from thee. And so even though people get angry, and there are ramifications, there's, there's consequences to people's choices and sins, and sometimes they affect people individually, sometimes it affects nations as a whole, but that is not God pouring out his wrath. Um, to say that God still has wrath to be poured out upon us for the sin we committed is to say Jesus and what he did was not sufficient. And when Jesus said it is finished, it really wasn't finished. And so, you know, this God that we serve, I'm, I'm just so amazed. I just feel a little bit different today to, to talk to you. Um, I've told you some, some things in the past. I want to just highlight a couple of those things today. And, and, you know, why would God do certain things? Uh, I told you one time, and I won't belabor the story, uh, not that it's not significant and important. I told you one time, years and years and years ago, when I was pastoring at another church, uh, I had told my wife over the course of several months, I said, I think I'm going to get me a telescope. And I'm talking about a real good one. I'm talking about a nice one. Uh, this, uh, you know, controlled uh you know, you can just mash buttons and it'll go to whatever planet you want it to go to. And you don't have to waste time trying to figure out where it is or what you're looking at and all that kind of deal. And, of course, like uh, sometimes she would say, well, I, you know, I don't think we need that. Or we're going to start spending that kind of money. I want to get in on the line, too, and get me something, <laughs> you know, kind of deal. And uh, but I remember one time we were up in Atlanta uh, shopping. And uh, so she was doing her thing. And I was walking around looking in different stores. And I went into to a store that sold those. And I, and you know how you know how that fever gets on you. You, you know, you just kind of like, I'm getting this. <laughs> I'm just going to get it. And I remember I took the box off the shelf. You know, pretty good sized box. And I walked around with it in the store for a few minutes. And uh, and I could have got it. You know. And then as I walked around with it, I said, Yeah, you know what? I, mean, I don't need to drop this kind of money on this. You know. I mean, I can go online, look at it clearer than this. You know what I'm saying or something. And, and I put it back on the shelf, and, it, and really, I didn't think anything else about it. And I don't, know, I'm, I don't know if it was a month or so went by. And one Sunday after church, some of the intercessors at our church uh, came forward and, and or, you know, came up to me, and they were in a little group, you know, like, okay, here we go. What, what are they up to? And they said, uh, Pastor, we, we, brought you, we bought a present for you. We just want to give it to you today. And, and uh, man, I, you know, what, it was no occasion. There was no holiday, no occasion. And in and, and long story short, I opened the prayer. They wanted me to do it in front of them. And it was that exact model. It was the exact telescope. And I assure you, my wife or no one had informed these, 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 these intercessors, these prayer, prayer folks of this. And, uh, and it, was, it was just it was amazing that they did that. It was amazing that they gathered up their monies to do that. Um, but I was more blown away that God was involved in that. And I, and I left church that day trying to kind of scratch in my head going, God, what, what's that about? I mean, we, we don't believe in coincidence. As they say in Hebrew, there's no word coincidence in the Hebrew language. Um, so, I mean, what, do you, what, what is that? I just didn't get it. It was almost so good it was frustrating because I couldn't figure out what God was up to, and I knew it was him. Um, God had answered a thought of mine, not a prayer, 
but just a thought that, and, and, and I deemed that thought not even worthy to pray about. I mean, to me, there were so many bigger deals going on in my life that I would spend time in prayer over, but praying for a telescope was not one of them. It was, it was not on the agenda, not on the list, and I wouldn't even deem it worthy to even talk to God about, hey, I want a telescope. Not that I wouldn't believe he couldn't make something like that happen, but I just didn't. That's not on my prayer journal, you know? And yet God had, had answered a thought that I had, and he had manifested that to me in a way that I would know absolutely that was him. And so thoughts that don't even make it to prayers, you know, this is what I believe God said to me. There's something that I want to reveal to you, son, about myself. I mean, men, I'm going to tell you, none of us have God figured out. And we're all learning and we're all growing in his grace and knowledge and, and just knowing him. And that's what's so cool about being a believer. And, and, but here, there, there's something in his nature that gets revealed uh, in things like this that can be seen in no other way. And, and God is interested in your passing thoughts. God knows what your, your, your thoughts are. Uh, now, there, there's something about God's nature that he reveals to us when he meets our natural human needs. And, and, and what this does, this, this, this love that God has for us, God is love. This love that God has for us, it actually creates an atmosphere of grace. And grace makes faith logical. Now, I know that maybe sounds like possibly a little complicated statement, but I want to say it again. Love creates an atmosphere of grace, and grace makes faith logical. And so the best way that I know, being a poppy to my grandchildren, is to explain it by using them. So all these grandkids of mine have ever seen coming from me is just love for them. I mean, just off the chart, amazing love for them. I have no ability to say no on, on about any level. Just, just really the way it is. And I've been rebuked by everybody from my wife to my grown kids, and, and I've, I'm not getting any better. <laughs> and I admit it. And uh, the only thing that limits me is my resources. Uh, you know what I'm saying? And, uh, but yet, I see it all the time in my grandkids. And, and they had a wonderful Christmas, and, 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 uh, and my two oldest, they're both seven, you know, they're at the age, they, they, they surf the internet on, you know, they go on YouTube and find these latest, greatest toys, and they come and show you on video what they want. You know, so they're at the age, they don't want no surprises. They say, order this, puppy. We want this right here. Be sure to get this one, you know, or they'll have their mom or their dad to screenshot it and send it to puppy, you know, because Christmas is coming. And we, and we did all that. But in other words, all they've known from me towards them is love and that love has created an atmosphere of grace which is another way of saying favor grace is fa same word so they they know they have they, they, they've experienced my love therefore they know they have my favor therefore it makes faith logical to them therefore they are not ashamed nor are they intimidated to come to me and ask me for anything now, I'm not really talking to you about my grandkids. I'm talking to you about your father and, and, and the love. See, the Bible says we love him because he first loved us. In other words, that tells me in that verse that I am incapable of loving God until I 
first experienced his love for me. That's what the cross does. It demonstrates the love of God for the whole world to see that I, God said, I loved you this much to go through this much, to do this much while you were yet a sinner with no guarantee from you that you would accept my sacrifice. Yet I willingly sacrificed my life for you in advance, in faith. God has faith. And he even has faith in you. That if you could experience and see his love, that you would respond to his love. God didn't create you because he needed love. God is love. God created you so you could experience love. And and God's just, I say this all the time around here, God's better than we think. He's better than we think. And he is far better than I was ever advertised or told by folks that preach the gospel that he was. And I do, you know, wish that I knew at 20 what I now know at 60. I do. Uh, but thank God I, you know, a lot of people live and go to the grave not knowing the goodness of God. But see, the Bible says it's the goodness of God that leads men to repent. And the word repent means to think differently. It doesn't mean to fall on your face and tell us, you know, what a bad person you are. It, it, that's literally what it means. Metanoia is the Greek word. Metanoia means to change your mind, change the way you think. And when Jesus came preaching and John the Baptist came preaching, that's the, that's the message they preach. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. What does it mean to be, for the kingdom to be at hand? It's within your grasp. It's within your reach. But you still have to reach for it. You don't earn it. You just reach for it. You just accept it. If I handed you a present, I believe you'd reach, you'd reach to receive it. Right? I mean, if I hand you the keys to a brand new car, <laughs> I mean, aren't, your hand's going to automatically go, yes, I receive it. And you take it unto yourself. So this story right here, to me, on one hand, you got to understand that everything that's in these 66 books that we call the Bible, are there by the intention of the Holy Spirit. The Bible says in the New Testament that all the things that Jesus did were recorded. It said, I guess the world itself could not contain the books therein. That's either a wild exaggeration or it's true. And yet here we have a story about an axe head. Now why, see when I read stories like this, I try to, why is this in here and why is it so important that this needs, I mean this seems like a mundane uh, incident to me. On one hand, it's just, it's, you know, they got a school of the prophets going on. Elisha's the lead prophet. He is, the, uh, the, you know, the one that uh, was trained by Elijah. And so now we got Elisha. And he walks with great authority and power under the Lord. And, and so now he's schooling or training these younger prophetic company. And, and there's too many of them, and the place is just literally too small. You know, so what do you do when it's too small? You've got to build something bigger, okay? Um, and, and they go to build. They said, now, when we get down there, we, you know, every, they said, every man get a beam. In other words, that's saying when we get down there, we're not going to stand around and watch one guy cut down trees. Everybody's going to get an axe, and everybody's going to go chopping trees. Because they didn't go down, you know, to the lumber store and buy the beams. They got, they got to make them. Not only they got to chop the tree down, they got the skin, you know, do all the things that make that into a beam so they can use it in the building. And so it's just, it's just a building project. And uh, they asked Elisha to accompany them in verse 3. And then it says they went, they went, he went with them. And when they got to the Jordan River, uh, they start cutting down trees. And, of course, they're using axes. 
This is just real practical. But while one of these guys, he's unnamed, these prophet, this prophet was cutting down a tree, the iron axe head fell into the water. Now what does an axe head do when it falls into the water? See, if it had fallen on the ground, he could have reached down and picked it up and took the time to reattach it to the axe handle and, and continued on. But it fell in a place with you got, you got water. We don't know how, how high or low the river was. The Jordan River is a very muddy uh, river most of the time. And so you got this uh, river. Uh, you got current going through. Uh, it falls into there. You don't see it. And it does what a normal axe head would do. It goes down. And he just stands there, I can imagine, just watching in horror as this axe head is going down. And he was there to build. And while, while he's watching his axe head float, these other guys are still taking down trees. They're going about their business. In other words, I, what I'm saying is, have you ever seen things that, that, that you know, you were, you were doing good, that was in your hand, and now all of a sudden it's going down. Your business is going down. Everybody else's business is like doing good. Your ministry is not doing good. Your marriage is going down. It's going down. You're sitting there watching it. You know it's going down. You know your marriage is going down. You know you I mean, whatever it is, you're watching your finances go down. you got a calculator. You're watching it. You're just watching it go down. And you feel so helpless and you don't know what to do because you went there with the best intentions. You went there trying to build something. You went there trying to increase. You went there. And what makes it even more horrible is that it's going down and it's borrowed. He cries out and says, Alas, master, for it was borrowed. And it's bad to lose your money, but it's bad to lose borrowed money. Because that money ain't your money, really. In other words, you've borrowed it with the intention of increasing and building. And now you've borrowed it and it's going down. Anybody besides me have been in that in that position? <laughs> Two people. Y'all pray for y'all pray for me and this other guy. And it's going down. And it's borrowed. Now being a preacher for many years, I've preached. There's so many, we'll say, applications to this. Uh, and they would all be appropriate. Jesus could be the symbolic axe head himself. He can be the one that goes down into the grave. He's, you know, all, all that. You could be that axe head. Because God said, I... He came to seek and save that that's lost. You're lost, but everything we have is borrowed. New Testament says, what does a man have that was not given to him? Your life was given to you. In other words, you, you don't really, on, on one aspect, you don't own anything, yet God gives you everything. And, 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 but just in a practical sense here, just bringing it right back down to the axe head, just, a, just an axe head. Now, if you lose the axe head, you're not going to be able to accomplish what you set out to do. It's not rocket science, right? Uh, now, you can still whack away at the tree, and you're going to make a lot of noise. And you're going to get real sweaty, but you're not going to accomplish a whole lot. Now, there's a lot of people that's really making a lot of racket in the woods, but no trees are falling. You know what I'm saying? 
because there's something that we once had that we lost. And I'm not talking about I've heard preachers take and apply this to the anointing. In the New Testament, we have learned through the Apostle Paul by the Word of God that the anointing doesn't come and go like the wind, like I grew up in church being taught. We didn't, the, the anointing was such a, a mysterious thing. It would, we didn't know why it came and we didn't know when it would come or if it would ever come again. You know, we'd just pray for the anointing. We'd beg for the anointing. We'd fast for the anointing. And I remember as an evangelist for six years traveling, itinerant preaching, I would go to a church and, and say on a particular night, and I watched this happen over and over for years, it'd be, let's say it's a Tuesday night and the choir is singing, and on the second verse of the third song, uh, I mean, you know, things just happen. I mean, as we would say, the power of God was manifested. Things just began happening. I would, I would, you can bet my truck the next night when I would come back, guess what song they're going to do again. And you could feel it when it got to that, where it happened last night, we're going to try to make it happen again tonight just like it did last night. And they were looking for formulas. And it almost seemed to fail every time <laughs> because God's not trying to get you to follow formulas. This may shock you. He's not even trying to get you to follow scriptures. Not as much as he's get, trying to get you to be led by the Spirit. I'm not saying ignore the Scriptures. I'm saying God says to be led by my Spirit. As many as are led by the Spirit, those are the sons and daughters of God. So that's what God's trying to, to communicate to us. So I, you, the New Testament teaches this. Paul said, for the anointing we have received... He said, you have the anointing, the Holy One that's within you. How can you not be anointed when you have the anointed one? Messiah means the anointed one living on the inside of you. You've been put in Christ. So you have the anointing. So, so now I've told you this over and over, and I know most of you know this, but there are new faces always. So now I never pray for the anointing. And it's not an arrogant thing. It's a faith thing. I just, even this morning, I just said, Father, I thank you. I pray that I yield myself to that anointing that's been gifted to me. I don't spend time praying for the mind of Christ. I say, Father, I thank you that the Bible says, the New Testament says, Paul said, we have the mind of Christ. Don't waste time praying for the mind. Oh, I just pray you give me the mind of Christ. No, you just pray that you would yield to that mind that's been gifted to you. The righteousness of God. You don't pray for righteousness. You receive it. New Testament Romans says the gift of righteousness. You've been gifted. When did I become righteous? When you put your faith in Jesus, God bestowed upon you Christ's righteousness. How righteous am I? As righteous as Jesus. Do you display that righteousness? No, you don't. Neither do I. You don't display it. We don't display it. But because where, where are we righteous at? The inner man. The spirit. The Bible says that God is the God of, of just men, righteous men in their spirits. That's what the New Testament says. But, but we, you, what we're trying to do by the help of the Holy Spirit is to live out of that revelation. Of the righteousness of God. Your righteousness has been gifted to you. That's what the Bible teaches you. It's not what church folks have taught you. They try to get you to try to achieve it. You can't achieve what you receive when you receive Christ. Your righteousness, my righteousness is filthy rags. It, it doesn't accomplish anything. It is the righteousness of God that is in Christ. We have, been, we have been made. Him who knew no sin became sin. Ain't that right? 2 Corinthians chapter 5, last verse of that chapter, that, that we might become the righteousness of God. Where? In Christ, Christos, 
Jesus. So that, that, that's, what, that's what God's saying. And when, you, when I see verses like this that's dealing with just a guy that's lost an axe head, and yet he cries out, he's praying because he's lost something that was not really his, it was borrowed. He's watched it go down before his very eyes. It looks like it's impossible. And yet he cries out to the man of God, to Elisha, and Elisha doesn't seem to be startled by it. He doesn't rebuke him. For, you know, he just says, where, you know, where did you lose it? Show me. Uh, where, you know, where, where did it fall off? There's a lot of lessons in this for us. But when, when, when something in your life, you've watched it go down, where did it go down at? What's causing the marriage to go? Where, where, where did it take off? Where did the train, as I say, come off the tracks? You've got you to you ask some questions. Now, you, you haven't got any hope of finding what's lost unless you just first got to admit that you lost it. Say, so, man, I've just lost I don't know where I, I've just lost it. I mean, I was in this area right here, and I lost it right. I mean, that's, that's a good thing. Is this too practical for y'all today? But, I mean, I just lost it. I lost it right. I just I lost it. Well, we don't even realize or comprehend how valuable that iron axe head was in that day. They couldn't go to Walmart and buy another one. <laughs> okay, I mean, this is very costly to them. And, and, and so he cries out, and the, and the prophet Elisha says, where did you lose it? He said, right there. God will show you. You know where you lost it. You know where you lost it. He takes a stick and he throws it in the water. He says he cut off a stick, no doubt from one of the trees that they had fallen, and, 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 and he throws the stick into the water and the axe head surfaces. Not only does it surface, but it floats. It swims. <laughs> How many knows that don't happen? So now, listen to me. The natural laws of the earth are being changed in that, in that moment. How many can say G-O-D here? God's involved now. It don't have to read God did this. It actually says that the man, of the, the prophet, it says he caused it to float. It don't say God caused it to float. It says he caused it. He caused the axe head to float. How did he cause it to float? By exhibiting obedience and faith in God. Now, why has he got to throw a, a, a stick in there? Because you've got to understand with God, God's not trying to get you to earn anything because God's given us everything. But, but everything in this, in this kingdom operates by faith in him. In other words, if you're going to sit there and, and analyze why I got to do that, well, why do I got to go and be baptized in the baptistry or the river, whatever, we can take you to the river if that's where you want to go. I'm going to get somebody else to baptize you. I ain't getting in there with them gators and snakes. I'll stand on the bank and holler, yay. <laughs> I remember as a young boy, we would go to the river and watch them baptize. My granddaddy was a Holmes Baptist preacher. They didn't have no baptistry in their church. And he'd always wade out there with a stick, you know, try to find where the holes were. 
And then he'd call for the people to come, you know. And, uh, but, you know, why, why I got to do that? Why I got to do this? Why I got to do that? That's called the paralysis of the analysis. You, you're not, it's, it's just faith. It's, it's just faith. And so you got to see things about Jesus. Remember when Jesus was passing through, walking down the corridor, he, he, has, he has come uh, and he is on his way to Jairus' house. We've got a woman with an issue of blood that comes and approaches him. And, and all, these, all these scenarios we see in the New Testament, we see the, the Bible calls her the, the Phoenician woman, which just means to us Syrophoenician woman. Remember her? And her, her daughter is, is at the point of death. And, and remember that God says, you know, they, the disciples said, you know, send this woman away. She's bothering us. Remember, she's crying out. And remember what she was crying, son of David, have mercy on me. Anybody remember that story? And so Jesus ignores her, the scripture says. It actually says that. Can you believe that? A lot of people wish this stuff wasn't in the Bible, but he ignores her cries. And then when she just keeps on, and now his disciples are getting involved and said, Master, send her away. She's bothering us. And, and he, he, he says out loud so that all can hear him, I, I'm only sent to the house of, of Israel, and it's not, listen, and it's not right for me to give the children's bread to the dogs. He called the woman a dog. There's no other way you, you can't, you can't religiousize this and paint it pretty. I mean, the woman's begging for help. Jesus first ignores her, and now she's continuing to beg for help, and Jesus calls her a dog. And it ain't like, day anymore, what's up, dog? It ain't that kind of dog. It's, this, is the, this is the barking, this is the flea-ridden dog. In Israel, they didn't have pets. You know, <laughs> no. And so she, he calls her a dog. That's the worst thing you could call someone. In their culture at that time, it was very offensive. And so he, he says, it's not right for me to give the children's bread to the dogs. Now, most of us would flip Jesus a bird and walk off. Come on now. You know, call me a dog. I'm, a, I'm, I'm, a, I'm, I'm desperate. I'm just trying to get some help. You going to treat me like this? Man, flip on you. You know, I'll go do whatever. I mean, hey, I see a lot of people walk away from Jesus for a lot less than that. He don't walk away from them. They walk away from him. He still, they can't get away from him, by the way. So now listen to me. Why did, why did, you got to ask yourself, why did he do that? Now when he said that, it's not right for me to give the children's bread. He's talking about the Jews. This is the children's bread. It's not right for me to give it to the dogs. So he's calling her a dog. You're a Gentile. You're you're not in the covenant. Uh, You you know. And so she said, yea, Lord, you're right. But even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. Now, Jesus only said this twice in the whole New Testament. He said it to this woman, and he said it to a man. He said, great is thy faith. Woman, great is your faith. Go your way, your daughter's made whole. Now, now why did he say that to her? Why did he call her a dog? Now you got to go back to this. What is she saying out of her mouth trying to get him to help her? Are y'all following the lesson? 
What did I tell you that this woman was saying out of her mouth trying to get Jesus to help her? Say the phrase, son of David, have mercy on me. Son of David, have mercy on me. The only people that can use that phrase legally are Jews. Now, the Bible goes to great specifics to let her know that this is a Syrophoenician woman. This is a non-Jew, Gentile woman. She is not in the covenant promise, but yet she is crying a covenant vow, son of David. In other words, a Jew could say, son of David, have mercy on me because of the mercies of David that God promised David. And I am of the seed and lineage of David, therefore you should have mercy on me because I'm a Jew. And that's religion, even if it is Judaism. Do you understand what I'm saying? And so now, all Jesus is trying to do is love this woman into faith in him. I don't, y'all don't know if y'all are getting this or not, but I'm about, to, I'm about to get myself happy. I am not offended at all of what Jesus did because that's the, that's the problem. We don't even know what Jesus is doing, what he's doing, why he's doing it. He don't want her to have faith in a religious group or because I'm this, or I'm that, or even I'm a seed of David. He wants her to have faith in him. He that cometh to God, he that cometh to God must believe that he, Jesus, he is a rewarder of those who diligently, that just means earnestly, truly, honestly seek him. We're not seeking religion. We're not seeking for God to favor us because we've done X, Y, and Z or because we've been this, that, and the other. It's because of our faith in his goodness and in him alone. That's what, how we access the things from God. God, Jesus wanted her daughter healed more than she did, but he cannot reward her religiosity. He cannot affirm to her that this is how you get it is just because you're of the seed of David. And actually the woman, as we say, you know, or as they used to say, she's fronting. She's, she's not being honest. She's lying. Now listen, I, I, I'm not, I, I get it. I don't know about you, man, but I mean, I've had it where my, you know, just desperation. But let me tell you something. Desperation, although it may look like faith, is not faith. I see a lot of people get in a lot of situations where there's sickness, disease, and, and, and they'll do amazing things during that season, but they're, they're not doing it out of faith. And they can't figure out, I don't understand why they didn't get healed. I don't understand why this, that. Because that's, it, you was just desperate. And I know desperate looks like faith to a lot of the church, but it is not faith. Faith is not faith in faith. Faith is not faith in a formula. Faith is faith in the goodness of a person. Irrespective and irregardless of who or what position that you're in, you're just putting your faith in him. Jesus says, woman, great is your faith. Your daughter's made well, go. That's where he was trying to get her to the whole time. Some people can't get past the fact that he called her a dog. He was just saying to her, I know you're not a Jew. Stop fronting, girl. You're a Gentile. Stop trying to illegally use a religious connection to get me to move. You don't have to do that on me. I'm good enough to love you enough by myself. And I just want you to, to just trust in my goodness. And, that's, and when he got her to that, 
Everything God does, there's a method to what is we say to the madness. The only other person he ever said anything about great faith to was also a non-Jew. Was a Roman centurion soldier. And this soldier has a servant that he loves dearly. And this servant's lying at the point of death. And, and, and as you read the different accounts or the different views of the this same incident in all four of the Gospels, the, the, this, the, 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 the centurion, the, this general, this leader of men, he, he doesn't even go himself to Jesus. But he sends others. And uh, actually, you read one of the Gospels, the Jews went on behalf of this guy. And the Bible said the Jews went up to Jesus, and in one of the Gospels it says this. I'm not making this stuff up. Uh, they said to Jesus, uh, his servant lies at death. Won't you come and heal him? Listen, won't you come heal him, for he is worthy. For he has built us a temple. Now, you know if somebody builds you a church, man, you're going to put their name on the outside at the door. I'm not saying that stuff's wrong. There's a lot of games get played in churches. Used to. Don't seem like as much as it used to be. And there's ways, and I understand the desperation of that. I'm pastoring too. Finances is tough. Hey, buy a pew. We'll put your name on the end of it. You had to break your neck to read it down there in that little breast. But hey, you'll know it's there though. You'll know that's your pew. I bought it. We did that in one of the churches I grew up in. And, uh, that lady, that was her pew. And if you came in as a visitor and sat there, she would ask you to move. And we had to finally talk to her about that. Because <laughs> I was on the leadership. And uh, she just started getting there way early to get her spot. But she said, I bought that pew. You did. Some of those things come back to bite you. So they said, he is worthy, Jesus, to be, for you to go heal his servant because he built us a temple. How many knows none of that stuff makes you worthy to get your healing? No matter, I mean, it's, it's, it's great. It's to be commended. It's not to be beaten up on. But that's not why God heals you. Well, you know, I tell you, if the Lord would just heal me, I'd go everywhere and give my testimony. God ain't going to heal you because you're going to go give your testimony. See, that's putting a price tag on something that's free. The church will charge you for what's free. Instead of trying to charge you for what grace has given you. Listen, why is faith so important? Faith appropriates what has been freely given to us by grace. That's what faith is. And God's just trying to get us to the faith. And so, you know, Jesus, they tell him that. He's worthy. Jesus doesn't get in no argument with them. Jesus says, Let's go. And, and so this centurion finds out that he's coming to his house. News travels. He's coming. So he goes out and says to him, I'm, Master, I'm not worthy if you to enter under my roof. Because he knew the Jewish laws and he's a Gentile and Roman soldier and all that kind of stuff. And so I'm not even worthy of you coming to my house. Therefore, that's why I didn't even think about coming myself, but only sin. But just speak the word, and I know my servant will be made whole. Jesus, listen, it said he marveled. Only twice in the whole New Testament did he marvel. Once here and once at their unbelief. 
But he marveled at this man's faith. And he said, great is your faith. He said, I've not seen faith like this, not in all of Israel. He said, your servant is made well. Because that man had faith in not him building a temple for the Jews, not him, him being an important Roman soldier. He had faith in the goodness of that man called Jesus Christ. And that's what he put his faith in. And that's what caused that grace to be released to him. Now, whatever's going on in your life, God, I'm, I want to tell you, I, you know, but I have, I have felt some things about this service as far as, you know, Jesus said one time in John, and he was, and, and he was, and he was talking about, he said, it's to your advantage that I go away, because if I don't go away, the comfort of the Holy Spirit will not come. But if I go away, I will not leave you as orphans, but I will give you another who will not only be with you like I've been, but this one shall be in you. And the Holy Spirit is God, says that in Acts. The Holy Spirit is God. So we've been gifted the Holy Spirit. Now, when you get born again, you are given the Holy Spirit. He indwells you. His Holy Spirit indwells our born-again spirit. And, and, and you don't have to understand all that. Just believe in it. Just say, thank you, Jesus. That's the problem. We get our head too much involved in this. It's not a head game. It's a faith thing. And, and so, so that, that's, what, that's what this faith does. He said, I've got... You know, he's talking about the Holy Spirit. And then he makes this statement in John. He says, I've got many things to say unto you. He's talking to his disciples. He said, but you can't bear them now. Remember that? He said, I've got many things I want to say to you, but you cannot bear them. Everybody say, bear them. All right. And he didn't say you can't hear them. He didn't say you can't understand them. But he said you can't bear them. And if you look that in the Greek, it means to bear under the weight of it. In other words, he's saying to them, I want to give this to you. I want to release this to you, but you're not strong enough to take the weight of this. You, you don't hand a five-year-old the keys to the car and say, run to the store. For, you know, no, they, don't, they can't bear the weight of that responsibility. And you understand what I'm saying? You can't bear the weight. And I want to say something to you that I really feel. God has strengthened you in 2019. There's been a lot. Of, there's, I don't know who I'm talking to, but you have been strengthened and prepared for what God's going to release to you in 2020. And you're going to be able to bear the weight of that thing that God's desired for a long time to release to you. And whether it's revelation or whether it's actual practical things or whether it's an ax head or what, whatever it is, then, but, but, God's going to, Paul talked over and over, he uses the term, and he said, we've been strengthened in the inner man. There's things that you have gone through have made you stronger. Even, it's not God that was the author behind your pain. He's the author of your faith. But, but you've been strengthened in the inner man by the spirit, Paul said. Over and over, he uses this phraseology in the New Testament. And, and this is post-resurrection, by the way, of course. And so he, Paul said that there's still ability for us as, as grace, newborn Christians, to be strengthened in the inner man, to be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. And, and, and our strength comes from him. It doesn't matter about the strength on the outside. Man, I wish, you, I wish I could convey what I'm feeling. Now, I, the reason I'm preaching this, and this is going to really sound probably weird, probably should just leave it out, but I, I had a dream Friday night, and I saw this the whole deal. I just, when I got up, you know, I'm at bed Friday night, I didn't know what I'd preach this Sunday. When I got up Saturday morning, I knew exactly what I was going to preach this Sunday. 
and and I, and I and I saw this. I mean, I'm I'm not you know no kidding aside, man. Uh, no kidding. You, you know you've been strength. I don't you know I, I I'm sure it's not for every single human in here necessarily, specifically, but I'm talking to somebody. And I I know Pastor Keith. For you, a special too, man. I just felt it so strong this morning during the worship. God reminded me of many years ago when I called you out, Cornerstone Church. It's been a long time. And I said, I told you God was going to stretch you further than you have been stretched before. You always remember that word, don't you? Did he stretch you? But God also has said he strengthened you. And there's been things that you've borrowed that look like went into the river. I'm talking about, I'm talking about stuff that ain't, ain't supposed to float if it float again. And stuff that, stuff, I mean, I'm, I'm supernatural for, you, for your ministry, for what God's called you, and you can now bear the weight of it. And I, I, I promise you that in the spirit, I promise you that. And uh, I, I declare that to you in Jesus' name, Pastor Keith. And, 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 that, and I believe that applies to many of you. And just, just believe God. You know, we have access to so much, we're overloaded on information. And I know some of you have probably seen this, and I had seen it before, but I just decided to watch it again yesterday because somebody, you know, it was on my news feed on Facebook. And it was Steve Harvey talking about where his career really began. And he had $10 to his name. And I'll tell you, if you don't think Steve Harvey, I don't care, you know, I mean, if you don't think he'll testify about God, you, just, you ain't heard him. You don't know who you're listening to. But he had $10 in his pocket, and he was in Pensacola, Florida. And he was trying to be a stand-up comedian, and it wasn't going so hot at all. And he was sleeping in his car. He had no residence. He had no apartment. He had no house. He had no money. He had $10 to his name, and everything he owned was in two bags, two satchels, the suitcases. That was all, that's all he had to his name, and he's in Pensacola, Florida. And he actually said, on the, you, go on, don't, you know, don't do it while I'm preaching, but you, go, you can find it, and you can listen to it. It's better when he tells his own story. But all I'm saying is, he actually said, he said to God, God, why you leave me out here like this? I've tried every way I know to do to make this dream come to pass. You ain't helping. Man, I've felt like that before. And he said that he decided he would call, um, and uh, there was a, some kind of deal. He, he said something about they had set up where he could get his messages, and he had to enter a code or something. So he called, and he had a message uh, left for him from a guy in uh, New York. And it said, if you can be, and I don't know if it was Friday or Saturday night, whatever night that they meet up there at the Apollo. He said, if you can be in New York on Friday night or Saturday night, whichever night they meet for their live show, he said that we got, we've got a, one spot that we'll put you on. He said, it'll, it'll pay, you, you know, pay you to come. And, uh, and then he said that made him feel worse. Because he said, I got $10. You ain't going to get no plane ticket to New York for $10. I can't even buy gas to drive from Pensacola, Florida to New York for $10. And, 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 he, and he just said, he said, this is, this is it, this right here. And he said, this is where this is, it's all over. And he said everything in him wanted to quit. And uh, 
And he said while he was having those thoughts and just ready to give it up, he heard boop on, while he was listening, and there was another message on the machine. And he listened to that. And it was a guy from Jacksonville, Florida, said, I'm here in Jacksonville, Florida, and if you can be here tonight, there's a gig that'll pay uh, $100, $150. said, pay $150, you can get here tonight. So he called the guy and back, and he said, is that, is that uh, slot still open in Jacksonville? And he says, yeah, can you make it? He said, yeah, I'm from Pensacola. I'm only four hours away. He said, I'll be there. He said he got in that car, and he took off from, Jackson, from Pensacola to Jacksonville, Florida. And he said he did that, and he said the guy was so pleased. He said, man, you killed tonight. He says, can you stay over and do it tomorrow night? You're better than the guy we got hired to do this. And so he stayed over the next night, and now he's got $300. And, uh, and so now he's got enough to buy him a plane ticket. So he gets him a flight out of Jacksonville and leaves his car at the airport and flies to the Apollo Air in New York. And he goes there, and he gets there early that morning. And the guy says, you can't stay here. You can't stay in the building. And you, you can listen. But he says, I ain't got nowhere to go. If you'll just let me stay, I'll go upstairs. I won't bother nobody. And, and so he, he goes upstairs. And he said he did break the rule about 3 o'clock in the afternoon. He'd come down because he wasn't going on 11 o'clock at night. And I, I don't know if you ever watched Apollo, but they'd be brutal up in there. If they don't like you, they boo you out there. They shut you down. And so that night, Jamie Foxx was on there. Um, Dwayne Johnson. And there was another guy. All these are famous people now. But they weren't famous then. Neither was Steve Harvey famous. But he didn't quit. And, and so at 11 o'clock, and, and they, booed, they booed Jamie Foxx off. Booed him down. And so what he did is when they booed him for his comedy, he jumped on the piano and started singing. Well, that changed the whole atmosphere. Then they started liking him. And then uh, he messed up. And then he went back to the comedy. And then they booed the brother right on off stage. Should have stayed what, what's working. And then the other ones, they, 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 they booed everybody off. So he said, everybody got booed off for him. He comes out there, 11 o'clock. He come out there, killed it. Killed it. They loved him. Got, him. got a standing O at the Apollo. They paid him $750. He said he felt like the richest man because he didn't quit. Let me tell you something. Whatever, you, whatever you're dealing with, if you quit, let me go and prophesy to you. You're guaranteed it ain't going to ever happen for you. That's 100% bona fide, absolute, guaranteed. If you quit what you're doing, then it ain't going to work for you because you just quit. Well, how many more times I got to try until you quit asking? Don't, man, you know, this ain't heaven yet. I, I, this ain't heaven yet. Now, these past two years for me personally been been the been tough. Open heart surgery, financial challenges, stuff like that. But man, you're looking at there's too many good things. Them little snapshots of them babies tearing them presents up. And, oh, man, I mean, come on. I know it gets rough all in between, but there's some of that that's good enough to hang around for. Too many people thinking about taking their life, leaving this life, cutting it short. Man, don't you listen to that lie. I don't know how God's going to do it. I don't know, but I, I know God's there, though. Some of you are believing for a house, something that even that practical. And you, you almost feel guilty. Some of you ladies, you feel guilty uh, because you, you even want a house. Listen, God wants you to have a house. 
Some of them be wanting a house bigger than the one you're in because the place like you're like the prophet, this place is too small. <laughs> Make room that we may dwell. <laughs> you don't got to feel guilty about that stuff. Does God care about a house? Absolutely. I remember when we lived in a little apartment, a little two-bedroom apartment. We're coming up on, on kid number three. That apartment had the grand total of three windows. No, it was four windows. Four windows in that little two-bedroom apartment. What's that matter? It matters a lot if you like a lot of sunlight coming in. I wasn't home most of the time. I worked all the time. We moved in there, and I told my wife, I said, we ain't going to be here in no time, maybe six months, three years, eight months, and she can tell you how many minutes. <laughs> well, I was working two jobs, man. I was chief of the merchant medical service. I was teaching school for Moultrie Technical College at night, two nights a week, and I, I just wasn't ever there, man. I was working, trying to provide for them little bread snatchers. You know what I'm saying? I'm trying to, I'm trying to provide for everybody, do the thing. And, uh, and I remember... My dad come to us one time and he said, uh, "Son, I'm fixing to buy six acres and I'm going to give you, you and uh, you know you and Jill an acre, and y'all put you a, a double wide." He said out there. And boy, we thought, man, maybe that way we can make it. This was back in the '80s when double double inflation, in other words, interest rates was like 10 percent and 11 percent. Might remember that 12 percent interest on a house. I don't leave you much room to get much of a house, okay? And so I I uh, I remember. Um, man, we started going on, we'd go and look at, you know, them mobile homes, you know, them double wise. We'd go look at them and you know how they got them set up? They even got fake bread in there. It looked like it's almost you could eat it. It's, they did back in those days. <laughs> really, you know what I'm saying? Didn't they? We'd go around and they had them things all set up, you know, and man, I could just vision myself in there. I could say, man, I'd be, we finna get us one of these. Because I wouldn't have to worry about the land. I could use land. I'm letting your daddy's fit to give it to him. You know, so we, we're just happy. We think, well, thank you. it's coming. Gonna come. You know, something's going to happen for us. Now, at that time, my dad lived in a five-bedroom, two-story house. My brother lived in a four-bedroom, two-story house. I felt like I'm the poor man of the family. I didn't make a lot. I, you know, I'm saving lives, stamping out disease as a paramedic. And these brothers here selling insurance, and they, you know, what's, what's, this ain't right. And I, sometimes I would feel myself as a person. As a man, especially, you know, I was like, man, I hope my wife, you know, because I can't provide at that level. We hang out with them, you know. I just couldn't do it. I didn't have to do. I couldn't throw down the, the diamond rings at Christmas. I couldn't do all those things that they all got in their wine, you know. <laughs> I mean, we just couldn't do this. I mean, we, 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 went, we preached so often up at uh, Leonard Christian Fellowship that there's a brother in that church finally told, he said, I'm going to buy your wife a dress because every time y'all come, she wears the same one. That's what he said to us then. He bought her a dress. I said, I appreciate it. And I ain't trying to make you feel sad. I mean, I, you know, it, that's a long time ago. We've been married. We're coming up on 40 years. This is July. But, but I'm trying to encourage you, and I, and I, and I, and I got to do it quick. I want to encourage you. But my dad said that I'm going to get the land. And I, I walked out there on it, and he showed me where it was. And the land made a triangle to a point, and it came back like a big triangle. And so he said, just pick out whichever spot in this six acres you want. And I said, I want this spot. And it was a spot on the, on the backside. It was about an acre they had blocked off. And actually, there was a dirt road back there and a paved road up here. But I just had enough country in me. I wanted the dirt road part. And for, if you're living in a little two-bedroom apartment, and I'd go out there and plant like little um, jalapeno peppers in the shrubs at the apartment or tomato plant, and the guy come by with his weed eater and just cut them off. About time together, because <laughs> I've always liked doing little stuff like that. Just you know, 
And to me, an acre looked like it was just so big when I was standing there. And Dad said, you can just have whatever you want. I said, well, I want this right here, Dad. He said, all right, well, once I get it all closed out, then, we, you know, we get it deeded out to you. Well, long story, it didn't happen. Some things happened, and it just wasn't a good investment, and, and it just didn't happen. Whew, man, we were crushed. We were crushed. Here we go again, you know. And one day I was looking at the newspaper in uh, my dad's home, just flipping through the paper in the one ad, and I saw land for sale near Adel called blah, blah, blah. That's all it said. But just something inside me said, call that number. So I called the number, and the guy answered the phone. And I didn't know him, but then he told me he owned a business in town. And then I knew him. It's called Carter's Chicken. <laughs> you need to know they still make some amazing chicken up there. And, uh, so they, uh, this guy, Mike Carter, answered the phone. And uh, he told me, you know, who he was. And I said, well, I know you, man. I've eat your chicken. And, he's like, and he said, well, I bought some land outside of town. He said, but I don't want all of it because I'm going to build me a house, but I want to get rid of some of it. He started describing it to me. You know where it, it sounded like it was that same land where my daddy took me. And, you know, when I drove out there, it was that exact same land. And so when I realized I was headed down that road, I'm thinking, yeah, he's going to be selling that little cone head at the end down there. Not, not the spot that I wanted. You know what he had blocked off? He had 1.25 acres, two of them blocked off, you know, flagged off. And the very spot that I had stood and said, I want this, and I thought it was over, and my earthly daddy couldn't make it happen, but my heavenly father made it happen. And, he, and so he, I said, how much you want for this? You know, and I was like, Bray, he said, $2,500. It's yours. And that sounded like a lot of money. That was a lot of money back then. So I, I said, man, I won't do it. I said, can I write you a check for $50 right now? Just, you know, I won't even know I'm serious, man. I'm, it's for real. Don't let nobody else have it is what I was trying to say. But you try to keep your poker face, you know. Can I give you $50? And he said, well, listen. He said, I want you to buy this other uh, 1.25 up here on the road front. He said, I'm going to ask 3000 3, for that. I said, man, I can't afford that. See, now, if you was raised in poverty spirit like me, that's the first thing pops out of your mouth. I can't afford that. Stop doing that. Can we all just kind of, if you want to do something, New Year's resolution, let's just res, resolute not to say that every time somebody says an opportunity to us. I can't afford that. Don't let that be the first thing you say. I can't afford that. I could never afford that. Stop prophesying that to yourself. And I used to, I, I'm, I'm the world's worst, okay? It used to be. I can't afford that. And he said, well, he said, why can't you afford it? I said, well, I can't afford that, man, because I'm paying on my little Chevy S10 truck. until I couldn't even dream. I said, I can't even think about it until I got that truck paid off. He said, well, how long is that? And I said, I said, it'd be eight more. I got eight more months before that thing's paid off. He said, well, just think about it. And so he called me back the next day. He said, I want you to, I want you to have that land. Me and my wife talked. We just want y'all out there. We're going to build a house. We don't want a no bunch of people. We want y'all to have all that, and y'all to build y'all house over there. I said, man, I tell you, I can't afford it. He said, well, I'll finance it for you. I said, how much interest rate? He said, nothing. How about that? How about zero? And I said, I told you I can't do nothing for eight months. He said, let's say a year from now. I'm like, man, you're trying to make this so easy on me, ain't you? That brother want me to have this land. It wasn't him want me to have it. It was God want me to have it. A lot of us are fighting God when he's trying to bless you. And, all, and, I, and I'm saying, so I went ahead and agreed to it. And I remember sitting in the lawyer's office. And the lawyer, when, we, when the, the details of the, of the agreement and everything was, was put out there, uh, he, he stopped and said, are y'all kin to each other? Are y'all kin? 
And we said, no. He said, okay, that's fine. He said, normally you don't see arrangements like this unless, you know, it's family and, and kin. And, and all I'm trying to say is favor. I'm trying to say grace. I'm trying to say God's trying to interact with a fella about some dirt, some land that don't seem like a huge deal on the, on the spiritual matters of the world, but because it mattered to me, it mattered to God, and God was trying to do his part in, in moving those things along. Now, now and, and so I did that. Now, let me tell you this little kicker here. When I, when I got the land, and they went out there, and they did, anybody knows what I'm talking about when they do a per, percolation test on the soil uh, and all that because it wasn't a county fed system? The back lot that I was fighting to get wouldn't even percolate. I couldn't even put a house there I wanted to. How many knows God knew that in advance? He's trying to get me on the paved road side. He's trying to get me, you know, and, and, there, and God's blessed me. And, and God has intervened in my life. And I can stand up here and tell you story after story, and I know you could too. But I'm telling you to remind yourself of those things, and if they, if they hadn't happened, they will happen to you. And I don't, God's going to do it different. He's going to do it in a way, but it, God's involved in your Do you think that was coincidence that I read the paper? Do you think that was coincidence that I went and stood back on the very same spot that I once stood on? You don't think that God's a God that loves his kids, that saw me stand on that dirt and say, I want this spot, Daddy? And, and I love my earthly dad, and he's with the Lord. You know, and he's, and he's, he's, you know, he listened to this, and they got better than Facebook. They're listening to it. But, but, but you understand what I'm saying? He was limited in what he could do. But my heavenly father... He cares about what you care about and what matters to you. If it's your kids, if it's whatever it is, it matters to God. And the devil will try to bamboozle you to make you think it's insignificant. But if God will cause an axe head to float. Well, it ain't like they didn't have the more axe heads. I mean, they're still chopping down trees. Well, you lost one, you still got nine or whatever it is, you know, keep on chopping. No, no, that God cares about that guy because he said, I borrowed that. That's my name on that. I gave that man my word, I'd bring it back. You know? My granddad said, when you borrow stuff, don't carry it back because it's enough trouble to have to borrow it, much less to have to return it. <laughs> Let them come get it if they want. <laughs> he'd he'd kind of keep it a while and get some good use out of it, you know? <laughs> but listen, God knows that stuff. And I've seen God move and move. We lived out there five years. And, and if it wasn't for my wife, I probably wouldn't have done a lot of things I've done and gotten to enjoy and experience in life. And we lived out there, and we said, man, we, you know. And I had gotten, in the whole other store, gotten, some, gotten a couple of horses and, uh, for me and my oldest son, and we were, right, we were loving that. But it was pretty tight there now for horses. We had them on that back 1.25 and all that. So we were looking for some, another spot. And my mom went to, a, to look at a house and some land. And the house was for sale and stuff like that. And so my wife and my mom and this lady that was trying to sell her home was standing there. And my wife said she was looking out over this back pasture and just rolled down. And, and my wife said to this lady, and my mom just wanted my wife to go so she wouldn't have to go by herself. And my wife looks at this lady, whom she did not know, just been met, and said, uh, I know your house is for sale and this right here, but is that for sale? She said, oh, no, that's not for sale. That's not part of this. And got no, you know, no, it's not, it's not even for sale. And uh, she, my wife said to her, would y'all ever consider selling, you know, any of that? And she looked at my wife. She said, to you, we would. Boy, my wife came home. She was stoked. You know what I'm saying? Now, I'm trying to rebuke her like she's Satan. <laughs> because, see, listen, and I'm a little, but I knew God had given me that land where we built that little house. 
And so I would make stupid statements. I know you never do, but I said, I ain't leaving here unless Gabriel beams down. Because I know God gave me this spot and God put me here. And I said, God going to got to move me unless Gabriel shows up. Baby girl, this is your house. We here. That's stupid. But I did kind of feel that way. So she, I said, I don't want you drug out there in no other place and I had to build another, you know, I want to do that. And so anyway, so you know, she has persuasive powers. So I went, <laughs> I went out there and met with the, uh, with the couple. And, uh, and, uh, and I asked the lady, I said, well, how much land's back there? She said, I, I, uh, what she, she said, I don't know. She said, it's, uh, you know, 20 acres or plus. I, I'm not really sure. She said, I know it's at least 20 acres. She said, we hadn't had a survey in so long at my daddy's farm. And it uh, goes all the way down, goes into Bear Creek, flows through it and all that. Man, I thought, man, a creek, fish, man, sounding better now. I didn't realize I had a creek with it. And, uh, and so we do all that. And she said, whatever it surveys to, I give it to you for $20,000. $20,000. Well, so I got pretty stoked by that because back then that was a good price. And so... So we, we, we put our house up for sale. It immediately for sale. And I'm not making none of this up. It immediately sales within three months, wasn't it? Two months, three months. And, and uh, our profit walking away from the closing table was $20,000. Exactly. I was able to give her her $20,000. And when they surveyed the land, it was almost, it was right at, it was a 28 acres. And if you do your math on that, that's about $750 an acre. Right? Is, am I saying that right? And, uh, I, I, and I almost wanted to go give money back to the woman. And she said, no, don't worry about it. That's what I told you. That's what we agreed on. That's what it, She said, I didn't think there was that much land back. Now, some of it was swamp and this and that. But, hey, still land. And I lived out there 20 years. Raised my kids there. They got to hunt fish and ride go-kart or uh, buggies and do, do all that stuff in the country, you know. We had everything from chickens to cows to horses to goats come home to church one Sunday, all the goats are standing in the back, uh, on the back porch looking in the, in the window. Now, I had to get rid of the goats because they would, they would patrol the area and go to my neighbor's houses and eat their flowers. So I was trying to keep, keep. Was God involved in that? Absolutely. He, he was absolutely involved. I remember the man that bought our little 1,100-square-foot house, that first house, was a multi-multi-millionaire who owned property up north. He was from Indiana. Was it Indiana or Illinois? One of those two. Uh, he lived on a 1,000-acre Timothy pastured grass, three-level home, actually called South Fork, with a huge aerial photograph of his place. He hung that on my little old fireplace out there in that 1,100-square-foot house. Because he just wanted to be down here so he could be halfway between Indiana and someplace in Florida and closer to her, his mother-in-law in Columbus, Georgia. And he, and he never said, well, I'll give, he just, what's the price? That's the price. Here's the check. <laughs> Who I give this to? <laughs> I mean, because I remember when they said, when the realtor lady told me, she said, there's a millionaire looking at your price. I'm like, there ain't no millionaire looking at this little house here. Because when you're sitting on the toilet, I'm making it up in the bathroom, to close the door, you had to swing your knees around, close the door. <laughs> now, see, some of y'all too rich, y'all don't know nothing about that. <laughs> she laughing. It, was it true, baby? It'll knock the skin off your kneecaps, buddy. You better, 
Better swing them babies around, <laughs> you know. But do you know for us, when we moved in, that was the biggest, best thing in the world. Because we put every little square foot we could get, you know, bathroom, we don't care about the bathroom, you know, tighten it up, put it in more room out here. <laughs> but I'm telling you, God loves you. And I'm telling you, in 2020, you expect God to do those things because many of you have gone through many things. You've been strengthened, though, so that you can bear up under that that God's given you, that God's releasing to you, both spiritual, both natural. He cares about axe heads, cares about homes. I want to ask you to stand to your feet. I'm, I'm on overtime. I'm a little past 12. It's 12, 14. I normally don't do this. I normally don't do this. But if you are believing God, I don't want you to be embarrassed by this. You shouldn't be. But if you are believing God for a house, you desire a home, land, property, business. I don't care if it's commercial. I want you to come stand up here at this altar, and I want to pray. I just want to declare a prayer over you. So if you a house, a home, you're in a home, you own a home, but you want a bigger house. Does God care? Don't feel guilty. I want you to come. This is what I saw. My God, it was just like I saw. In my dream Friday night, I saw all these people standing you'll get your butt back to your seat. <laughs> Man, my stuff comes back to bite me. <laughs> I told you I ain't building you another home, woman. This means I'll be moving someday. <laughs> oh, Lord. Girl, you something else. <laughs> that throwed me off there. I mean, that throwed me off there. I said, come whosoever will. So, <laughs> Seriously, God cares. I remember one time years ago, and I, man, I ain't, uh, I'm just a guy trying to, you know, you know, do what God's saying. And God uses amazing things. I was preaching for Eddie Taylor up in the, uh, out from, and it's near Six Flags out from Atlanta one time years ago. God's got all kind of, you might not even believe in this, and that's cool if you don't. But, you know, like a brand new house, so if you go in a brand new house, it, it has a distinct brand new house smell. I only had this ever happen to me in all these years, 30-something years of ministry twice. But it happened to me there, and so this lady come and stood up before me. Now, I didn't talk about none of this. We, it wasn't, we didn't mention anything like this. She just came up in prayer. And when she stood before me, now I know it was in the spirit, not in the natural, but I had that, that overwhelming smell of a brand new house hit me, and which got my attention. And, you know, and, and, and God began to download and prophesy her new home. Boy, she hit the floor. I mean, it was just like, oh, my goodness. I mean, she just fell down, knees buckled. She's crying, you know. And, and, and that had been her discussion with her husband on the way to church. And they just didn't feel like that they could afford it, this and that, this and that. And, and, and yet God, God ministered to her. And that was such a huge deal. That thing happened because she was part of that church. Man, people just started coming from everywhere during those, uh, that little four-night four revival I had up there. And then when I pastored in Sparks, sometimes we would have people that come and visit us on the weekend. We'd never seen them before, never saw them since. But I had this couple come. i never seen them, but I felt God said to pray for them. And as soon as that couple stood before me, I smelled a brand new automobile smell. I mean, it's very distinct. You could bottle that up. You could be a millionaire selling that. Brand new car smell. 
And, and when I did that, God said, tell them that, the, that I am placing them in a vehicle and I'm moving them in a brand new direction. And so, and so it wasn't like, well, I want to get a brand new car. So you can mess up with the prophetic because you got to listen. And, after, and they just reacted and they, they, they cried and they wept and they waited for me after the service. And this is what they said. They said, we've never been to your church before. We go to such and such church here. But we, we've been so nervous. We are moving to Alabama and we're, we're being involved in a, in a, in a move there. And, and, and we heard that you ministered prophetically at times. And we just wanted to put ourselves in this atmosphere. And God met their faith. And, and, and so they, they were able to leave that Sunday knowing by the confirmation of the Spirit, that not to be nervous or anxious over their move, for that move was ordered of the Lord. The steps of a good man are ordered of the Lord. God had ordered that move, and for them not to be anxious. Why? Because he cares about you. And so I just want you to be encouraged today. And I want you to be reminded of what I'm sure that you already knew. This is not super deep by no means, and I understand it. But please be reminded today that as we do depart from this year and we God knows it's a new, new new year for us he's not working off our calendar we're working off of his but at least in American culture this is a new year coming up and and there's there's there, I'm, you know it's going to be like every other year there's going to be challenges there's going to be things but you don't have to give up your dreams and just because it happened happened remember what I told you about Steve Harvey get online go on Facebook search that out listen to it it encourage you don't quit don't give up don't give up on people don't give up on yourself. And you don't have to give up on yourself. And you don't have to feel guilty because you want a home. You don't have to feel guilty because you want a nice home. You don't have to feel guilty about that. It is the, the Father's good pleasure to give the kingdom to his children. God knows it's going to burn one day. It ain't going to last forever. But God still give it to you. God, God, will, care, God will make your axe head float. How's it going to do? I remember when we, bought, we built that first home. I didn't have no money. I had no money. That's why we didn't do it. 10, 12% interest. And I remember they, I, they, they said at the mortgage company that I had to have uh, $3,000, wasn't it? I had to have $3,000 in my checking account, and I had to sign a paper that said I, didn't, I wasn't gifted it by nobody, my family. Because they, 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 they want you to have the money. And, man, I was so legalistic and all, but you couldn't have paid me to lie. And, right, you know, and I don't know I'm a liar now, but, I mean, I just know grace covers. You know what I'm saying? But... <laughs> But back then, I was so rule conscious. I'm like, well, I said, well, I'm, that, that there's going to kill us right there because I ain't signing that. And, uh, and I wasn't going to go to my dad. I said, well, we, best I can tell, we toast on this right here. And when I come into that little apartment one afternoon, right, and it's right at that time, wasn't it? And I'm not making this up. I come into that apartment, and there she stood in that little apartment with them youngins. She's standing there with a check. She was going, hee, 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 you doing all that when I come in and I'm looking at this check and it looks like one of them sweet state checks that comes in the mail and stuff you know like this fake that ain't and I'm like that ain't nothing to that I, you know I'm like bless her heart she don't know nothing Just, me man me know everything you know nothing you know I'm, I'm like I mean you don't even I'm like and I wasn't even paying attention to the check was I boy I'm glad God gave you to me and she said this is a real check look at it and uh so I looked at it and it was a real check for $3,000 and something dollars. And wasn't it for uh, back interest on that first that little mobile home with City Corp? And they had had some kind of class action suit. Some brother done sued them. I got paid because they class action sued them over something. And I didn't even know I, didn't even know I was in the suit. 
you know what I'm saying? I didn't know that I was in, and I got over $3,000 made out to my and, and her name when we lived in that little uh, single wine trade when we first got married. And something, you know, we'd long sold that many years ago. All I'm saying is, you don't think God's involved in that? You, you don't think the timing of that was God? Man, those times in my life makes me just want to kiss God in the mouth, I say. I'm like, God, you, I mean, you are for real, real. You, you are with me. You are for me. You, you, are, you concerned. You're not so busy saving the universe that you ain't concerned about little old me and this little old apartment and about our, our desires and our needs and our, God, God, you're just, you're, you're wonderful. God, you're, you're awesome. How do you make it without, without this? I've seen him do it over and over and over. I'd be a fool today to drop this mic and walk out and say, I ain't serving him no more. I'm not going. I mean, I, it's just ridiculous. And if I did that, God would still love me. Because his love for me is not contingent on me. It's on him. And he don't change. Whew. Now, you got to be encouraged here today. I done preach myself happy. Hallelujah. So listen, you don't have to strain at it. God's not rewarding your faithfulness. God's, God's just being who he is. And that desire, Mark 11, 24, whatsoever things you desire, it starts with the desire, your desire. I desire a new house. Great. When you pray, believe you receive them, you shall have them. When will I have it? Don't say that. It just says believe. Believe what? Believe in him. Just believe in him. And God won't do it like he did it for Brother Dale. It won't be the same story. But you know why? Because that way you have your own story to tell. You have your own testimony to give. And it will be the way God wants it to be. So I just want you to just, I'm going to agree with you. And, I, and it's really a prophetic declaration over you to, to, to get you to not quit and just stand there. And, and I want to say, especially you, darling, God, yours is really coming fast. You don't, I re, I'll just rebuke any guilt. Em has really tried to bang you around with that guilt thing about because you even desire. Man, God's going to bless you. You're going to have a place and room for all them youngins and all that stuff. I mean, it, it, it's, it, I'm telling you, I see it so clear. And on so many of you, you're, different timings and things, but uh, it, this is really a, a big deal, okay? And you know it by the Spirit. So, Father, I praise you for every one of these people and their desire. And I just pray, Lord, even like you, it, 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 the act said, you cause that to happen because you're, you care. And I declare, as you see the desires of the youth, your children, God, we pray and just call for that faith in your goodness to flow to you. Let those things come to pass. Let their dreams be fulfilled. Let these homes be bought and built and, and these businesses started, these commercial investments, these, this land, this, this room to dwell in. Lord, I declare the strength that's happened in 2019 will prepare them to bear the weight of your blessing in 2020. And we call it done in the spirit, in the spirit, in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, praise him like you, like you believe that. Father, we praise you. Thank you, Lord. Yes, amen. Thank you, Lord. All right, thank you for allowing me to go 25 minutes overtime. There will be no charge for the additional moments of preaching. Okay, love you guys. God bless you.